Welcome to Hair Uncut. I'm your host, Kelly Gorsuch. This is a podcast dedicated to looking at the hair trade from a top flight perspective. So join me as we honor and explore it through raw and honest discussion. Our guest today is Nick Orojo. He's an absolute unit in the industry, an icon. Uh, we're not going to get into his his accolades because it would just waste too much time. So please look him up if you don't know who he is or if you want to explore him further. Um, we'll put some of that stuff in the show notes. But this information is too good to hold back on, so let's just get after it. You know, you seem to be the only person from the very beginning that was able to like read you know, how this virus was going to affect the industry. And mm-hmm. one, thank you for that, because there's far few, too few critical thinkers out there. Um, <laughs> but what's it like to try to save the industry and then have, and, and your own businesses on top of that, and, and have all these very, like, few but loud hairdressers trying to shout you down and almost, in a way, cancel you? What's that feel like? Well, you know, I literally had uh, when we went into the into the shutdown, we we kind of kept up with these Zoom conversations, um, and the Zoom conversations um, during during the, the towards the end, there was a lot of it was like we were completely disconnected, and I tend to find now that people are incredibly vocal about issues. Uh, political issues, uh, as things like while I was trying to fight to get my business reopened, there was some kind of a personal backlash within my brand about me not caring so much about social responsibility and me trying to open up my business was not as important as what I should be doing socially. So there was a massive backlash there. And, you know, I think everybody's has a voice, even so, more so now. And everyone's got a one-way voice, too, because people can say what they want when they type it down or when they're not face-to-face or where they've got a captive audience. You know, you tend to find that you're living in a world now where I suppose some of the traditional norms have faded for whatever reason. So... Certainly for me, when I was going through this, uh, trying to get my salon open, there was a lot of negativity surrounding me trying to reopen my business. And then, of course, that was parlayed and mixed with, how are you going to keep us safe? And I think that when I look at the, um, when I look at society today, the owner, w- w- I used to think that your, bo- your boss or your, your, the owner of your business, the person that you worked for, was kind of like, um, it was a very responsible position. I used to say to, I used to say it a lot. I'd say, you know, your family, your parents kind of have control on you. Maybe uh, religion has some level of control on you, kind of the guilt maybe potentially. And then the only other person in, in, involved in your life, because we predominantly work in such a young industry where you're looking at your employees, a lot of them are going to be under 30. Yeah. So, you know, that enlightenment age was round about, I used to say was around about 25. You're far enough away from your, your parents. You're far enough away from you probably left home and maybe fallen in love once or twice <laughs> or who knows how many times. So you've had a little bit of, you know, the first quarter of a century You've lived a little. And I always thought that the boss, the owner, your business owner was always somebody, I don't want to say you were scared of, but, you know, you kind of had a little bit more control because, you know, we need discipline. Right. A little bit of respect. I I mean, a little bit of our job is to kind of look after them. And I think that's that's a big part of it is like that is our job to do all these things or is our job to take care of our community first right and then that's a secondary or tertiary responsibility yeah you know we've always nurtured it comes in this industry where we've nurtured we nurture a lot we don't just train people with a skill we nurture a lot it's very easy to point out the problems it's very hard to work on the solutions 
it's very easy for people to throw you, you know, I don't know if it's an American saying, but people will throw you under the bus, you know, <laughs> and literally they're, they're doing that in New York, they're throwing you under the tracks in the subway station. It's very easy for somebody to just throw you under the bus, you know, throw things out at you. And it's very hard to defend because you're on the back foot. Right. And you see it so much on social media. And in fact, I've never had so many, uh, you know, um, negative things said, you know, certainly speaking out during this whole time, I've really seen, you know, how, uh, how people have different views completely and different thoughts and they're prepared to use them. And some ways they even use them to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, take you down a step where right. really you're just trying to put your case out. There right. Do you feel like of, a little bit of this was people like people who weren't as successful finally having a shot to like be able to take someone f farther above them down as maybe they're perceived. I mean, I, you and I probably don't perceive it that way, but maybe they perceive it that way. I think we're just living in such weird times. You know, the boss is an easy hit. Like I right. say, you used to have a respect. Listen, the government holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. So you're getting crushed from the top and your employees hold you accountable and you're getting smashed from the bottom. You know, I've never lived in a society that, you know, when the, the de Blasio came into power, you know, um, who's obviously the democratic mayor here, where he really pushed for minimum wage to go up, which is fine. So you start paying $15 an hour and then you're paying sick pay. Now, when you're sick today, you can basically take a day off for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, now there's the the two week thing where you they can basically for any reason take two weeks off and call it COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got that. I mean, so you you know you're in a really difficult situation because you can uh, you know we have such a tough job because the hairdressers they want to be busy they want to make money they don't want to get paid they think all the money's you know they believe that you're taking money from them and yet. Nobody really comes, certainly not to my salon and, and not to many salons. We don't really hire people with clientels. Right. We try to hire people and train them and teach them and groom them, develop them. Really, the law, I think that really some of the infrastructure of the laws let us down. It's kind of like a failed business model, to be fair, because uh, we're training our competition and they can go and work around the corner tomorrow. Right. I mean, after you've put in all the love, sweat, and tears. And you and see it during this virus that they're at home working. I mean, like no licenses, no nothing. And and it just puts salons all across the country in this bad position. Well, I think that the virus has definitely created this um, potentially canceling out commission salons. Right. You know, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think and anyone, then, then, you have to have an education program like you do to be able to attract those like young hairdressers that you can train and you can get a few years out of them before they grow. But right? we don't want to do that anymore, really, do well, we? It gets, a little bit, <laughs> it gets a little frustrating, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do they say? You do the, keep doing the same thing and you get the same result. It's exactly. Like mad, is that what they say? You're like, it's madness. Keep doing the same thing, get the same result. Yeah, so I think that as far as the industry is concerned, we've really got to think long and hard. In some ways, you know, forced into some kind of a relative pause on what the future is. And then also, you know, when I built my salon, my business, my intention and my idea was all of those great things. I'm going to build a brand. I'm going to build a great team. We're going to do great things together. And we did. And then about five years ago, uh, Instagram became such a popular thing where it was like everyone's got their own channel. We started to believe in people that had more followers than talent. Right. You know, I'm even amazed today. You go and see people with such a, it was kind of like if you've got eyeballs, then that validates you. Uh, you don't even know whether those eyeballs are purchased, paid for, earned, how real they are. Cause I know that I could, I could have three times as many followers if I wanted to. Uh, fluff up my numbers. Right. You have but the money to do it too. <laughs> yeah. But the whole energy's changed where, you know, uh, we believe kind of like what's in the, in the, in the, the phone or the PDA that we have in the iPhone or yeah. more so than the real stuff. I even look at icons in our industry and, you know, uh, 
it's man, I've got no followers. It's but heartbreaking. Like I, I, I go and look at Anthony Mascolo, and he's got less followers than some of the guys that like I I work beside. You know, and it's like mind boggling to me. It is, and I think that that's what's changed the industry a lot. And uh, you know, it's kind of like usually you hit that point at my age after being in the industry now for forty years, where you're like in a more pastured role, but the reality is, or a more respectful role, but the reality is, is you got to fight to stay vibrant. Right. You got to fight to stay alive. You got to fight to compete. You know, and that's what you have to do. And these are the new rules. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's just and even, that's always even been my problem. Even I don't today, care enough about it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Even today, you know, I'm in the salon and people are saying, oh, here's my Instagram handle. You know, it's, we know that's what they're doing. Things right. that were seen as being, and you know, you've got Venmo. Everyone's with Venmo in themselves. You've got a lot of independent people um, making a living, but not necessarily looking at the long-term future, but they're making a living. And I get it. Yeah. And I think that this time has really made us all uh, look and say, um, even before this time, you say, are you on the right path? But I would say right now, you've really got to look at it and say, what is the future going to be? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's obviously nice when you start making money, but, you know, you don't do things to make money. You do things because that's your passion. And if you do them well, then the money flows. But, you know, my business has got 50% less revenue than it had pre-pandemic, but the bills are based off 100% revenue. 100% of cranking <laughs> in New York City, right? Yeah. So, you know, you've really got to, you know, navigate whether it's time to, um, you know, I, obviously I've got about four different paths that I'm plotting out in my in my brain. Right. Yeah. You know, I've just got to try and navigate the best way forward. Yeah. But I mean, it's I, difficult. I'm working yeah. every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen from the beginning of this, like that is, that's the difference between someone like you who's like an industry leader and a, and a thought leader on this, like from an outsider's perspective, it's just really so important that people understand that like, you know, someone in our position is going to be thinking about six different ways to pivot, right? Yeah, Where yeah. you, whereas so many other people just would crawl back into that hole and just take whatever the government gives them and, and be happy. And, and, you know, like, and just circling back to this, it's like so many of these hairdressers were telling you that if you worked and this is the very beginning. And like, I know for you and me, like you probably talked to doctors, you probably went out and researched old, old vaccines and viruses. And like, you know, at that time, like these people were telling us that if we went and worked in the salon without any data or science, that we were murdering people. And I found that to be so comical and just so frustrating from an owner's perspective because we were, I was actually doing the research and talking to people about what we can expect that the virus, no vaccine in history has been solved in like uh, less than four years at that point. And the last yep. one was mumps. I think it took two years to design the virus or the vaccine and then two years to get it tested and, uh, and through FDA. And, um, and, you know, now we went and, you know, looking at this now, like I had no idea at the moment, but like, you know, I think uh, they said the other day that Moderna did their got their vaccine done in a single weekend in January. And then the rest of the year has just been testing. And it's like, where is this information? And and all of these people and just circling back to this, but how comical is it that people were telling us that? we were going to murder people and actually believed it, right? Like that, they were so scared. Has any of the, have any of them ever come back to you and apologized and been like, yo, I was totally out of line. Like, because these yeah. are people who are still working, right there. I, I watched them on yours. I watched them on mine. You know, these are people where now the virus is 10 times worse than it was then. And their salons are still open. They're still yeah. behind the chair every day. What's different. I, it's just so hypocritical. <laughs> well, I, 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 th I think that in all honesty, if you go and look at the CDC website and you do a study, okay, so you study how many people died in America in the last four years, you'd think that 2020 would be off the charts. Well, his news, 2020 is no greater than 2019 or 2018 or 2017. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like well, we uh, hundred or 200,000 people more, and some of that can be attributed to the people not going to the doctor, right? Like, Yeah, yeah but actually it's less people. Yeah. In total, 
So while we, I'm not here to debunk that there's not a, a COVID. Uh, right. I'm not here to debunk that. That right. exists. It is what it is. We know that COVID. The reality is, is how critically dangerous is it, and how well has it been managed, and has it been used politically? Right. And then what happens to the human psyche when you fed this information from a news channel potentially that has got its own agenda? And yeah. how much do we listen? Now, for me. I like to listen, and I like to listen to all sides of the of the uh, of the frame. A critical yeah. thinker. I would have, yeah. I would always say that if you'd have asked me before, I would have said that uh, the nation is really more hinged on getting rid of the middle class. I would have said that, and the working class. I would have said that you know the political powers that be. Obviously, you're in Washington. I would have said everything that seems to come out works against. Uh, middle class and the working class. So whether it's an Obamacare, you know, mandate that you have to have, whether it's uh, the taxes that you have to pay, because we're doing, we're providing, uh, employ government people. They don't make jobs. Yeah, we make jobs. People make jobs. They don't go and create jobs unless they decide to invest in certain things. Some politicians say, "Well, we'll invest in." Uh, uh, you know, solar panels, right. and that's maybe a job creation. Today, you'll even read on the news, oh, we're going to go for this Green New Deal, and we're going to create, and that's going to create jobs. Of course, it will create jobs the same way infrastructure. But traditionally, we're the people that are making jobs, and if you look, we're creating jobs, and if you look at it right now, we've been kind of up against it for years. Minimum wages increased massively. You've got no support from the government in uh, the taxes increase significantly, um, and it's very hard to survive. There's no profit there. Right. So, and, and I don't work forty hours a week. I work a hundred hours a week. Yeah, you know, I'm seven days a week. It's from, and and I'm never not working. I, if I take a day off, people go, "Oh, you're taking a day off?" Because yeah. they never see me. And even on the day off, just like yourself, are you really? Taking a day off, or are you taking that time to think about what your next step is? Right, that's work. Well, not only that, you're you're taking everything you earn throughout a given year, and you're rolling it into the next project. People don't. What I never understand is how like someone who owns like an eight chair salon can be righteous in the fact that they're pocketing every dollar profit and never doing anything else. Whereas someone like you, who's create doing all this job creation and doing one project after another that helps people. Is some and but because you can see your wealth, your wealth is now visible, right? Yeah. Like people yeah. will then start to attack that, and I find that yeah. just fascinating to me. I found that when I expanded into three salons, which now I'm down to two, when I expanded my business, I felt the the dynamic shift. Yeah, not only from the personnel within my brand, but from perception from the outside. And in essence, you become more of a uh, something that somebody can get something from. You become vulnerable. Right. So even though we insure ourselves and we get all the insurances that we have to take because we're liable, anyone can take a pot shot at us at any yeah. possible time. If somebody gets color in their eye, if somebody falls outside my salon, I'm liable for it. We've got to get insured. I mean, we have business interruption insurance, and you understand that doesn't work when you have a pandemic. That yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't, doesn't it, it doesn't even work when you have, uh, you know, a power outage. Oh, no, it's their job to, like, make sure that they don't ever pay you, right? Yeah, the insurance takes us, but it does not give us back us, you know. So you have all of these things. I mean, even to the extent that you have, you know, working agreements with your team to say, there's a training agreement. I don't want to – I want to train you because I have to train you. But if you leave after you've been trained – you, I'm paying you to teach you, which means I'm paying someone to teach you, to make you good. And yet, I'm trying to set up an infrastructure, very simple, that's fair, that says you can't work in a mile around my uh, shop. But ultimately, that doesn't even work. Right, because so right it, does, now, it doesn't hold up, right? So It doesn't hold up. And so, you spend tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, right now, you come join my company, you don't sign anything. Do you know why? There's no point. There's no point, right. There's no point. Yeah, I've never done it, but even recently I've started to go, well, shit, I train these people. It takes them, takes them three years to start to mature after they're trained. 
So you don't yeah. even get them in their best years, and no. which is difficult. Some some you do, but you know a lot you don't. And and so I'm starting to think for the first time in my career, maybe it's like okay, well if you leave after a certain point, you owe me this much, or you leave after a certain. And then I don't care where you work. Like my job isn't to hold you down, but like yo, we it, just they, paid you to learn and give you a career. Like the least you can do is is, is somehow you, uh, do the you, rest of the social obligation of that, right? Yeah, but if you said the wrong joke at the wrong time, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you go after that person, it's very easy for you to get. And you know, the, 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 where you live, where I live, it's filled with attorneys. Right, right. It's you so know, fifty percent of them. the people that live in my house yeah. are attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy for them to, uh, you know, take a hit at you. Right. So you're a big target, and it's been told to me before, you know. And now here's the, the, the here's the fun of it. I used to say, you know, they used to, I'd go to court or I'd go into a mediation because I'm like, you can't just take away, you can't, you know, four of you can't leave, open around the corner, try and lure other stylists over there. You can't do that. Just this doesn't make sense. But the reality is, is they, they can, can, right? And they do because yeah. guess what? You're seen as, as in me, I'm seen as, oh, I've made it. Yeah. But the reality is hair salons are low profit businesses, they're labor intensive, yeah? And uh and and the and the skill averse. Right. You've got to train people. Yeah. Yeah. And to do it. So it, such a it, tough industry. Am I crazy, Nick? Like I mean like the whole point of working in a salon for me growing up was I wanted to believe something bigger than myself, be around people that was a party every day. I wanted yeah. to be around like minded hairdressers who weren't like yep in there busting people up and and then on top of it all like i really i really really at the end of the day we're just pulling money to like pay for a receptionist so i don't have to take phone calls all night we're pulling money so we can pay for shampoo people so i don't have to shampoo hair all day uh you know we're paying people to be the owner so i don't have to think and be stressed out all the time right i i I agree with that and i think it got even worse when your employees are telling you well, what are you doing for my social media? Right. <laughs> we got to. We have to create. We cre- we managed to get. Even though we're we're we we have a, the hair business is lucky if a good salon can make five cents on the dollar. Yeah. Most salons break even if they're lucky. Yeah. Or if they're a small business, they can siphon mm-hmm. in the ways in which it can happen. They can siphon out the cash. Right. Right. Okay. And the government's <laughs> doing really good at making sure that you don't have to take cash. Right, right. Because you know the financial institutions take a piece of that. Yeah, and now that Venmo has to like, uh, they have to do like a a report yearly to the government now. Like, you know, that's they're slowly but surely fixing this. Well, you know, your your hairdressers that are taking Venmo, if there's one thing I can tell them, because they don't listen, those twenty dollar tips add up, (laughs) and when those twenty dollar tips add up, if they add up to a hundred dollars a week. And if you work 50 weeks, that's $5,000. If the government sees that you've been given $5,000, which is really easy, yeah. then what's going to happen is they're going to come and they're going to say, you didn't declare $5,000. Right. And this is the truth. So I hope hairdressers need to be very, very careful. Yeah. And the fact that they can also business. come back to you for three years of that money, right? Like they can. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at the labor laws in California. The labor laws in California absolutely mental for our industry Mm. the labor laws in new york have become absolutely mental too you know they restrict business you know i think we should have less bureaucracy you know the people obviously are very outspoken and everyone's entitled to their opinion you talk about the you know the counseling coach i mean i I might post something people don't believe me so instead of me gaining followers i lose followers right yeah which is uh which is fine because i don't care about the followers right you know I really just, you know, I think it's just a tool that we have to try our best to educate and share and obviously show what you're doing. It's just one piece of your public persona that you're trying to put out into the universe, Yeah, you know. So who knows what's right and who knows what's wrong? I think at the end of the day, what, what's right is I, I, do you feel like you're moving in the right direction? And that's what I always say to myself. Am I moving in the right direction? Uh, and, and, and maybe... There's all, you've always got to look for the silver lining and maybe this coronavirus, this pandemic, the way in which we've, we've, um, we've, we've been dealt this deck of cards. Yeah. So here I am 18 years in my business, uh, 19 years in my business, like many years, then this virus comes up. 
They shut us down. They say, you can't stand next to each other. So you're like, well, I'm going to do a client. Then they pay all your staff more money than they were getting. Yeah, they enable them. And then your staff start doing hair at home because the clients call the hairdresser. There's no loyalty with the client. Right. You know, the minute the client comes in, they, you, you hand them to a nice hairdresser that does a great job, they become loyal to the hairdresser. That's the way that it works. And now we're at this position where, you know, it's December and um, we're at 20% if I'm lucky, maybe right. 15% of what we should be. And now what's happening in New York, although they, they keep saying shut down, shut down, shut down, but what they've done is they've shut down the economy because they don't want anyone to leave the house. Right. New tactic. New tactic, keep the businesses open so it's not our fault, but let's scare everybody from going out. Yeah. But you can all still go to uh, the big box retailers, yeah. which, which is obviously the biggest, you know, the biggest challenge. And, and, you know, they talk about following the science. You know, the reality is, is most of the spread from the science comes from, um, comes from being at home. Right. Like uh, friends and family coming over and, and, and family. then you trust them and you're not going to wear your mask. Right. It's, it's just and what, and what you're going to do. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm going to be with my friends and with my family. You know, I mean, how many years did we work in this industry that a client would come in with a cold and at Christmas you got the cold or you got the flu? Yeah. yeah? I mean, I, I feel like we all have like these the nose, super the immunities because we get everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. As I'm on a plane, I was on a plane literally every other day. Yeah. Dude, that's the you only know, time I get sick. I don't know why. It's like I get off a plane and it's it's never going there. It's always coming back. I, I don't know why. It's because going there is more fun. You're going to go somewhere and then you're going <laughs> to just going to power through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, it's an interesting time. And I do think that maybe there's a silver lining. But right now it's a very difficult, um, it's a difficult process. And, uh, you know, we're the the political side of it's huge, and uh, you know we've got to deal with that. You know it's interesting because we're such a liberal breed hairdressers. We're yeah. so not judgmental. Yeah, I mean you name it. Uh, you know, whatever race, religion, creed, uh, orientation. I've hired. Yeah, yeah, I've hired. I, you know, I don't see anything apart from something creative, and right. I, I hire the creative person. Yeah, I mean you know? it's. That's just to touch on that. That's that. That is the social thing, right? Like when they're begging you to be more involved and like be more outspoken about that. Like I'm a big fan of living by example, right? Like yep. I just hire good people. Like I, none of it matters. I don't feel the need to shout it out from a rooftop. Like it's just not to me. It's like an extremely religious thing to live my life the way I want to live it, right? Like if I if I pay money to to help someone or I hire someone, I don't want to be shouted. I don't want to go on for like, you know, social justice points on Instagram. Like that's not what I, that's not how I want to live my life. I just want to be a decent person and, and not think about that and think about taking care of the people that are in my community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you do the right thing and you just have to do the right thing. The problem is, is, uh, you know, you can't, what you doing the right thing is part of the joy. Right. The reality is how many times have, I mean, I can tell you, I've paid for dinner. I've had a great time. I've, you know, I've taken people out. I never let people buy the dinner. You know, people have to fight me to pay for it. I feel like that's one way I can. And I used to love taking care of people, you know. And then the following day, the person that you were at dinner with, who you just drunk a glass of wine with or two, you know. I mean, when I used to work for the Redown Sassoon growing up, you couldn't even order a glass of wine at the dinner table. But, you know, we're in different times now, so you yeah. let people be more free to do what they want. And the following day, they're like, ah, oh, thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. I'm, <laughs> See I'm, you I'm later. gone. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> and you go, wow, wow. So you never really, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing about our industry is uh, I love the social aspect. Yeah. I, I love that. I think together we can create great things. But today's world, it's we're living in a me generation, I think. Uh, People sure. are all about me, 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 which I don't begrudge anybody uh, being about me, 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 me. That We should all think about ourselves as number one. 
Yeah, but it is a it's a, it's a difficult time, especially when you built something and all of a sudden you know you're getting uh, you find it difficult from all sides. Right. I mean, you this is a problem though, right? It's it's not that binary, right? Like it's not me, 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 and nothing else. It's got to be mm-hmm. me, 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 and a a community working together, and that community being your job. Really, salons and businesses, small businesses, are just like little collections of of people working right like yes, yes paying each other yes, you know yes. growing together taking care yes, of each other right if someone yes. someone's house burns down you're all chipping in to help out like that's the community right so yes. like if a girl uh you know last week one of my stylists or daughter had to come home from school early because of something and and then like someone else is like oh i don't have an i don't have a a, a client or a guest right now i'm gonna go pick them up for you and bring, yeah. you know and that's that community and i i think that's the part we've lost and you know that just circles back to everything else too it's like no one can think in this critic critically like we talked about a couple of times but like it's everything's black and white there is no like binary there is there, or everything is binary and there is no like okay you're not all the way right you're not all the way wrong it's probably somewhere in the middle let's figure mm-hmm. out like where this where this works for all of us you know, it's very tough. I, I look at the way in which the world the world turns. I think hairdressing is um, is something now that is, you know, it, it, we've got to figure out if we're going to be salon owners or brand builders. We've got to figure out how that truly works, how the quote-unquote employees or the team or the members, what that becomes. And what it works like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then the biggest problem that I have because that's that's not the challenge is working out the business model. Yeah. The challenge is, is whether I want to go through that. Yeah. Does oh, it make God. does it make me happy <laughs> to try and create a business model that right. I think will work today in this industry? Right. Does that make me happy? That's not my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. This I is, kind of I, I grew from a, being a successful hairdresser to developing what traditionally was kind of build a brand, build a thing. And, yeah. But now that's kind of, to a degree, it's been completely smashed up. Yeah, and it's not worth so, the money, right? Like you're starting to get to this point where it's like, what, what, where is the value for me? Like, what am what? I doing this for? Like after this virus came in, like over the years, I've I've done, I've started to cater to little things that I didn't cater to earlier in my mm-hmm. career, and the more I gave, the less they had to rebel against, right? So then every they start rebelling against every little thing right so when the virus when i came back from the virus and i got hit i just went home and i was like what do i want to work in so i came back in the salon i got rid of the like kind of commercial slow cutesy music that they've been begging me for all the years and i turned the music back up and i it's a party again right and that's what i want it to be and i want this to be bigger than me and and I want to have fun. And it's got to be like, I also have to be able to get, if I'm going to go through all of the headache on these hard times, I also get to have fun. You've got to have fun. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's difficult managing that process when you've got something that you've already built. You're stuck with that big ship to manage. Right. Yeah. You're stuck with that big. So while you're saying, I'm going to work on this, this is what I want to do. You've still got to deal with the day to day. Yeah, I got to still deal with the taxes. I got to still deal with the unemployment, and all of that takes away from the the, innovation. All of that takes away. I mean, I got employees right now. They work and they come. They say, "I only want to work three days this week," and then they'll claim unemployment for the fourth day. (laughs) I'm like, "Wait, that was your choice not to work, right?" But they know because it just all seems. They know how to 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 gain the system a little bit. I'm so old school, Nick. Like it all seems so short sighted, right? Like. Don't you want to charge like crazy amount of money from being busy and having that high demand later on and then not working as much then, but still making triple, right? Like, yeah. like the amount of money you can make in this industry, if you push and you stay and you like just work and you grind for like 10 years, is just insane. It is insane. You can do really well, you know, and for the most part, I've done very, very well. It's only the last few years, which have been become much more difficult right um and obviously the pandemic makes it a lot even even harder right and it'll be interesting to see what's going to come out because 
Uh, New York right now, how can you pay rent on spaces that just, you don't have the business? Right. You just don't have the business. They've yeah, all left. Sitting at 20 to know? 30% of revenue. Like, what are you, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Well, you know, what are you supposed to do? I mean, I mean I it's a game of gonna... it's a game of keeping people employed right now, Nick. And that's like what's so commendable about what you're doing, right? Because really, you're taking on all the debt so they don't have to, just to make sure that they stay employed. Because there might be a rainbow on the other end of this two years down the line, right? Like that's I, like I people. I just hired four people last week. Yeah. <laughs> just hired four. I'm yeah, and guaranteeing all of them, right? Like <laughs> it's like nuts, right? So. It is nuts, but you know, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. my thing is I've just got to factor. I mean, I, what, this is what I do know. I do know that, um, I do know that I've got to focus on what makes me personally happy. What I do know is people can, uh, become successful when they're lean. Right. So maybe it's time to move into more of a lean, right. maybe less employees, maybe mm-hmm. more independent people. If I even choose to want to continue on, in some ways, you know, you'll say, well, I, you know, I had wow, a massive 20-year, really phenomenal run right. up to coronavirus. It, because, because of uh, the decisions that were faced by me, I mean, you were talking earlier about a landlord. I had one landlord that said, well, two landlords, they said, well, we're just going to defer the next five months' rent. So now I'm going to start my business with a million dollars in the hole. Right. And if I would have started that with a million dollars in the hole, as you mentioned earlier, you're going to work for 10 years just to get just to out get of that Because I've got to make even, two yeah. million. I've got to make two million yeah. profit to get a million. I'm laughing, but I'm also crying inside here. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, you know, what happened was I said goodbye to my landlord in Tribeca. Yeah. I said, I can't pay the rent. And my landlord here in Soho, we managed to come up with some equitable agreement that made it, along with the PPP money, that made it that I could maybe see what what the future looks like. Right. And I came back here in September and I kick-started and I, September was okay, and October was okay, and I thought November would be better. But then November was just okay. Now December's a disaster right. because uh, the fear of this COVID, no one's lead, no one wants to come out. So I'm looking at what now I should be fully booked till the end of the year. I can still see days where I've got more white space than clients, and that's never the case right right so what's january gonna look like Ugh, i'm so i'm so, I'm so <laughs> bro. that's my nightmare january and february my nightmare um yeah every that's year january. that's my nightmare right every year it's yeah. always the tough start to the year i mean you know and i'm looking at it from uh products i have a products business which has done pretty good yeah and i have some really fun ideas for that um and then I'm also looking at it from an educational standpoint, which is also done pretty good. The problem is, is the um, is the baggage that we've got now because we had to close one of the locations will ultimately end in the demise of the business. Right, right. Well, because, certainly an anchor, right? Yeah, when you break a lease, it doesn't mean oh, people people on the short term say, oh, you had to close that down. Yeah. I closed it down, but I broke a twelve million dollar contract. <laughs> right, right. They're gonna <laughs> you're gonna figure that out one way. You're gonna pay a little bit and some legal fees too. You yeah, know, and, yeah. Well, and, I know, mean, so the, these are the realities of life. So yeah. you know, then you have to look and say, okay, where do we go? And as uh, as you said, I've got like Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, maybe even Plan D. Um, but not knowing, I just say, well, just keep turning up every day. And maybe one of those doors will swing wide open and I'll know it's the right path. Right. But at this stage of the game, we're living in an unknown, which I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm really good at going, okay, point, aim, shoot. But because of this uh, pandemic, you know, and you all, I don't know what to do as easily. And I also have immense responsibility for all of my employees. Let no one forget. How you wear that when you have to tell someone, uh, it's, it's easy for them to leave you, but if you have to put them out of work, it's very painful. Right. And very difficult. And I feel obligated to help. I've got my brother works here. I've got employees that have been with me for 10, 12, 14 years. 
You know, if I make a decision, I'm not making a decision on anything uh, on my own. I'm making a decision based on the overall platform to make sure that people feel okay. Because to be honest with you, um, no matter what people say about you, no matter people throw at you, at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, I'll sleep well at night knowing that I always tried to do the right thing, right. even though it might not look like I did on the outside. Yeah. But it, that's, you know, that's what I do. That's what, you know, I think leaders have to do. Right. You know, you don't build a business successful by chance. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of commitment. And people do buy into your energy and your enthusiasm and your brain and your capability. You know, but at these difficult times, you know, it's very, who do you go to? Who do I go to for like the reassurance? Because it's very hard to find people to reassure you. I mean, you know, I've always had, and I recommend people having mentors, you know, mm. both of my mentors passed away. So I'm slowly working on a new one, right? which is really good. And a mentor to me is someone that's older than me, that's in my industry, that's hard, that I feel respect for. And it takes years. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, you got to build like that every, trust like anything, like you're, you know, like you do with your wife, right? You got to build that trust. Exactly. It takes years and years and years. But luckily, I've managed to find somebody who gives me great solace and I've got, gives me like a, a great, someone I can talk to and chat with. Phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I've got one or two other dear friends that are there as my good soundboard. Right. You know? Yeah. I, bro, I can, I can, you know, one, we're, I'm living this at the same time as you. So, um, yes, and I'm are. in the same shape <laughs> all the way across the board. <laughs> so even talking to you is like uh, I've got equally goosebumps and I I'm sitting here and my heart's breaking for the industry and small business. And I'm always just so thankful that, you know, you've been someone that, you know, I've watched and and, you know, quite honestly, it pushes me when I see people who are out there doing good things. And, um, you know, and I just think our industry needs more of that and less of this like. I'm doing this one-off thing. I don't have any employees. I'm a boss, babe, like whatever the hashtag is. Like, I just think our industry could really use a little bit of that team. And, and maybe this will be the, the catalyst for that. Maybe we'll start to see people sway back to the team environment and having fun and it not being so damn serious all the time. I wonder about that too. Cause I say, listen, I lost 85% of my employees. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I was navigating forward, you know, we had these issues. The staff had lost trust. They'd lost faith in me. The voice in the, the voices from the salon is always powerful voices in salons. Right, you know right. that. You yeah. can't get rid of them. Yeah. You have the staff meeting. There's yeah. always someone that's got the same issue. Well, and they're usually the yeah. ones who are plotting their own course for her, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. And when they go, then somebody else turns up and fills that void. You don't right. go, that person left somebody else couldn't so, yeah. so ultimately i think during the three and a half months of closure the faith uh was lost in me uh for whatever reason i'll let everybody decide their own personal things there were some meetings that i discussed where things were said yeah. you know like silly things like why are you on fox news we're going to lose clients i'm like it's a news channel Right. I'm trying to, that, that's the one channel that wants me to go on. I'm trying to fight for, I've got salon owners who are crying because they've been closed for three months and I can't sit back and, and not only am I closed, but I can't sit back and I've got to do something for them because right. I had so many salon owners that carry my hair care products that I've become friends with. It's like, if you're going to be a leader, you've at least got to stand up. So I, I went through a lot of stuff that came to me as a surprise. And a lot of people left, even people that I really never thought would. Um, it is what it is. I think that maybe now, once we get through the, you know, we're in spike number two. Right. Spike number one was where we had to shut everything down to stop the spike. Now we're in spike number two. It's like, history repeating itself, but the only difference is, is there's a vaccine. So there's like the cavalry's on the way. Right. Yeah. Now we'll see where we land in the spring and in the summer. And will those people that have gone off to do their own thing, will they have found happiness and joy or will have they have found the reality that a, in order to, you've got to really be engaged to keep a business moving forward. 
It's not a nine to five job. It's a 24 hour day job. And, uh, and maybe people might realize it's maybe not quite as easy as one once thought. Yeah. Maybe that might make people realize and change. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, the demographic, the, 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 um, the fiscal side of our industry is very difficult because, you know, people want 50, 60, 70%. It's just, yeah. um, realistic yeah when you're talking about the labor costs on top of the commission yeah so you know we're we're probably the most undervalued and i think you know where hair color maybe has grown in price hair color hair cutting has not grown in price right right yeah people are still looking for that 40 50 60 dollar haircut and in all honesty you know i just had a tooth fixed it cost me two thousand dollars i was in the chair for 45 minutes i went back of course there was some you know they had to refix a crown yeah but it was over two thousand dollars okay uh and i was only in the woman's chair for an hour right so good money for the dentist i'm happy for the dentist i'm not complaining but what i'm saying is if why a haircut still less than you know 56 the average price of a haircut is less than 50 dollars in america right yeah we're talking about a skill that takes years to master but as a society, we have not grown that price, right. which makes it very difficult for us well, to be equitable. Because if you was charging, let's say, two fifty for a haircut, you can take forty five percent of that, right? And it's a strong ticket, right? And the other goes into supporting the business. So let me just all the costs. ask, right? Is that is that our fault as an industry, or is that? I think that we have not had the right leadership for a long time. We have no real associations. Yeah. You look at, you got Guy Fieri's on TV. You've got, uh, you know, Tom Colicchio on TV. You've got people fighting for the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And we're a kitchen industry. Yeah. And this, 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 this pandemic. Well, is, we had Tabitha and Jonathan Anton, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. But what what I'm saying is, is this our fault? Are we not doing enough? Like every time I hear a hairdresser say, you know, we need to be treated like doctors. And then in the same week, they're going to be complaining about being busy on Saturdays and slow on Tuesdays. And they're upset that the the guest walked in five minutes late or they want to charge the guest for not showing up or, you know, this myriad of things. And it's like, well, your doctor wouldn't do any of that, right? Your doctor's not showing up 20 minutes. Well, he, you know, he, he's in there, but he's, he does show up 20 minutes to your room, maybe. But, yeah. um, but like, you know, ultimately they are being professional, right? And we're not, they're not segregating into single rooms and calling, call, you're not calling him at 12 o'clock at night to make an appointment and then showing up at his house, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, ultimately have to also value your own work and then start from the beginning. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at the industry now and I'm like, I feel like we're almost getting worse, right? Like hairdressing is getting for the first time in my career over the last few years, it's like lob one length or nothing. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's almost like we're going to let all the curling irons do the work. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't have to be wearable and good the next day. And so is the pricing, because color, it progressed. They got better. And it, and it went through this beautiful thing with the balayage and, and the painting, right? But where's, where's that progression with the cutting? Where's that, where's that knowledge base that we need to have as an industry? I, I, you know what? I don't think it's really there. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's there. And I, for a long time, I really, you know, used to... Uh, Personally, I used to feel one of the reasons why I used to do the trade shows uh, was to show my level of um, kind of work, which I would say contemporary wearable, cool hair. Right. We want to, when we're commercial hairdressers, I've got to be able to do everything. But I wanted to do it in a way that was. Uh, you was, were on um, TV too. I just remember that. <laughs> I was on TV, which was, yeah. you know, again, I tried my best to represent the professional stylist. Yeah, it was one of the few. Possible. It was one of the few where I finally looked at it and was like, that's not embarrassing. It's but not I embarrassing think, to have you represent us. Yeah. And I think that the idea is, is it's not so much the execution of the cut. I think it's maybe the conversation mm. of the process. Right. 
Yeah, because I used to say, you know, because I mean, I still do it during this pandemic. I'll do virtual consultations. People are still interested to find out, you know, what would happen for me? What what should I do with this? So it's like elevating your expertise. But in a world today where uh, everyone has, everyone's on their own TV show because they've all got their own channel, um, their <laughs> right. own channels, Reels, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, you know? Over and over uh, and over. I can't wait to see you dancing on TikTok videos. Yeah, it's not going to happen anytime <laughs> soon. I didn't even bother downloading TikTok. Yeah, I don't have it either. That and Twitter. I can't do it all. It's too much. You know, it's too much. <laughs> no, but if I you want to accomplish anything at all, you can't just waste your time with every single platform out there. At a certain point, you have to, you have to actually be creating something and not just be talking about it, right? You have to, I, I, you know, uh, listen, technology is changing our industry, you know, to get back to the, the color thing, the yeah. color thing, I saw color go up in price. Obviously they're the high tickets, but I even see social media colorists. That's what we'll call them. And most hairdressers are generalists. Right. So they do the cut and the color. Whereas I've become more of a specialist mm -hmm. as a cutter. So these generalists, I would see them. They're going to, we're going to teach you how to build your ticket. The haircut would come in at like twenty or thirty dollars as an add-on, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to a structure. So you know, and and the hair, I brought out my own hair book, and you know, when I was talking to publishers and I got a publishing deal, and that's because I was on television because it's all about exposure. You know, they said hair is not really a, a strong enough category on its own. Yeah, and if you go to like Sephora and they sell hair care products or Space NK. Hair care is a 10% category from the beauty industry. So we're, we're bundled into the beauty industry and we're a 10% category of the, uh, of the beauty industry. So we don't have a major role. We have a secondary role within, within this. And I'd, I've obviously liked, like us to have more of a major role. And I always used to dream about wanting people to come, uh, to me because they'd heard that I could cut hair well and I could do great work. And, that's still obviously the joy and that's the mission. And price point is something that I think is very critical that we as a, as a community should really look at making sure that our prices don't fall behind because, um, there's not enough money. Right. There really isn't. And you know, uh, I, we're not going to be able to solve the problems of today or tomorrow, but what we are going to do is we're going to try and solve our problems for today and tomorrow. Right. Yeah. My focus is to focus on, um, you know, I think to a degree, I've looked at my career and seen the people in front of me. What has like a Sassoon done or a horse done or as, a, as an Anton Muscolo's done? Right. It's obviously easier if you've got a family because a family there can really, it's, you know, could maybe stronger for you. But mm -hmm. you see what people have done before you and you kind of follow them. But today the world changed so much. In, in in the attitude of the human being, yeah, uh, the social policies that are out there and the technology. Right. So I don't think we can copy anything that's been done before. What I do think we have to do is pioneer for our future. And as we pioneer for our future, it should be based on what inspires. I'm going to focus what's going to be inspirational to me as opposed to what's going to make me money. Right. Right. And I've always been like that. Well, there's no way you could grow what you did if it's only money, right? Like it, there's so much passion in everything that you've created. There's a lot of passion to create everything. And it's the same with yourself. I've seen your salons. I've seen the level of uh, love, care, attention, handcrafted. All of that is magical to be able to experience. As I move into the future, which is today, you know, I just built a studio in my Brooklyn location. I'm looking at the Brooklyn location now and thinking of that space as more of a creative hub. I'm less inclined to focus on, uh, you know, the salon. It's not like my number one focal point. I've got very talented hairdressers uh, in my salon. It's a much smaller team. So in the new year, we'll be looking to see what's in their brain. What, what do they want to accomplish and see where the unity is in that or where we can kind of collaborate. Education's key. That's really my forefront. I was teaching my students today digitally 
And I see a lot of love with that. Even being able to talk to you and see you makes it so much better than just talking to you on the telephone. Correct. And it's yeah. so simple that we don't have to, you know, set anything up. It's in the palm of my The only thing I had to worry about was finding some headphones. Yeah. And you know? we don't have to worry but, about giving each other COVID or anything. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I see that there is uh, a great future, but we've got to kind of navigate through it. And then obviously as a business owner, we've got to, I've got to figure out right. how I navigate the uh, the predicament that I'm in, right? Because it's not just about what do I want to do today. It's more about how do I cope with where I've arrived because of COVID. Yeah, if well I'm twenty percent well down, I've got another. I've only got a few months to figure out before it becomes no good. Right. You can't keep going uh, if it's going in the wrong direction for too long. Right. In the same token, you can't quit too soon. Because you don't know, uh, you don't know what is going to happen. Yeah. So springtime is going to be good for New York because, um, and, and I love New York City. Um, the good side is springtime will be good. Restaurants will be back open again. People will be outside. Cabin fever hopefully will have dissipated. That's if we start to see some success with the vaccine. Right. Uh, number two, I think people being cooped up. I think there's going to be an abundance of creativity. Well, you can start whenever, to see it when, now, right? Yeah. Whenever you're at your most adverse, that's when your most creative thoughts come out. Right. You know, that's what I've always found. You give me so, six weeks to sit at home and wait for the virus, man. I, like, my mind is racing for six weeks. <laughs> like, it was nuts. It was nuts. So we'll see what next next year brings. Then the other reality is got to think about who's going to pay for all of this unemployment. Right. Who's going to pay for it? Yeah, it's not a free ticket. Yeah, no you know, people don't gonna, people don't understand how much of the business pays for that, right? So, oh my god, <laughs> it's you know the amount of money that you know. There's so much. I like to call it legal crime, right? That happens in today. Yeah, there's so much legal crime. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, but you know, um, we got to work through the best that we can. Take take heed or take stock with the fact that we got to this place. Now let's see how we can navigate through uh, and see what the future truly, truly brings. Um, And I think about it, there's never a moment that goes by that I'm not thinking about, is it path A, path B, path C, maybe path D? You know, you're also looking at the social world where, you know, um, New York, it's very tough to do business financially. Yeah. You know, the the democratic cities are very difficult. I mean, I got – Homeless people living on the streets now, which it never used to be. And you can see that the city crime has gone up. So you can see that there's a shift. New York used to be the adult playground. Now New York is, uh, there's no playground. Yeah. And those taxes are still there. They're not, those taxes aren't going down (laughs) to make up for it. And the cost of living here for a one-bedroom apartment or a two-bedroom apartment it's in the city, the yeah. you're looking at six, seven thousand dollars just for a thousand square feet. Right. So you know this has had a dem- this COVID will have a demographical change on our society because people have moved to other places. Right. And 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 and. I take stock when Elon Musk goes to Texas. Oh, yeah. I go, okay, I'm seeing people are making bigger swings because uh, if I was a salon owner and I was closed for five months in California yeah. and I'm so liberal and the liberal politicians closed me for five months, they've ruined. I mean, for uh, I may be financially ruined for the rest of my life. Yeah. I may be. Yeah. And luckily, I um, saved up some money, and luckily, I invested in my property, and I sold my property so that I had liquid in the bank to help me navigate the next step. Right. But the reality is, is if I don't get the next step looking good, then yeah. that's not enough for me. So right. it's it's I'm not living in a bed of roses. I'm living in a, in a moment where I've got to think. I've got to be smart. Uh, and I and, and and I don't know about yourself, but and I've got to not feel demoralized. Yeah, yeah. Because when you come and you're like, "Oh, I'm not busy today," you can feel like, "Oh my God, I'm a failure." Well, and that's real but world shit. People control. don't see behind the curtain, right? They don't see that you have the, you're in the same spot, except for 
you know, tenfold as bad, right? Because you have to like, you have all these bills and you have all these people. I mean, for me, I, I still look at the employees and their families that we're feeding and and that's a big burden to carry every day. And to, to touch on this California thing, like, you know, watching Oracle and some of these big, there, there was like three or four yesterday that announced and that they're all leaving California and, and migrating Thank you. and migrating to Texas. And, um, and it's, it's a little like, okay, so you're leaving your failed policy, right? Like you're an alien coming from another planet because you've used all the resources of your own planet. Now you have to move to Texas, right? I find it so fascinating. So it's funny that you say that and, and I know you have to go. So, um, but I just want to jump, I just yeah. want to jump in on that. It's <laughs> the, the, but so like in New York, you've run the city into the ground and now you're hoping for a federal bailout. Right. Yeah, when we don't get to do that as business we owners. We, we don't get to do that. <laughs> yeah. We can't go and ask someone to help us out. Yeah. I mean, if they would have been, you see, you have to, are the people at the top really smart? Or how much smarter than you are they? Right. And that's got you really thinking. And you think yeah. to yourself, and I, and I obviously, I do watch a lot of social media, and it's fun for me to see strangers that I don't know talk about certain things. Yeah. So when you're, got DoorDash going uh, on the stock market. And yet the best thing that DoorDash can, or any of these Uber Eats, whatever, I call these like nothing businesses, yeah. but they're getting floated with yeah. billions of dollars. But if you shut the restaurants down in California, the most populated state in the country, then you're going to force everyone, it's going to help big business yeah. win. Yeah. So you've got to look at that and you say to yourself, do I want to be part of this system or do I want to navigate into a, maybe a different arena right. where, you know, why do people go to Texas? There's no state tax. Why do people go to Florida? There's no state tax. Well, and they're These generally just, protecting the lower worker, right? Like the, the blue collar worker. Correct. They're creating that environment. Yeah. We're talking about here in New York, Cuomo's talking about putting $3, yeah. $3 on every uh, online transaction to pay for the MTA. Yeah. Now, why would we have to pay for the transportation? I it already have pay to for pay for itself. <laughs> I already have to. Bloomberg created that tax. Right. I have to pay for every employee. I have to pay one hundred and seventy-five dollars or something like that around that for every employee. It's a new tax called the MTA workers yeah. tax. Even if an employee doesn't get on the. Um, even if it doesn't even use the subway system, I still, as an owner have, with employees, have to pay taxes. Right. So we do have to look at this. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I'll f summarize. With, people don't understand taxes. Right. People don't understand how much someone's going to have to unincorporated business tax. That's expensive. Right. Yeah. You're talking about if you go independent, you've got a lot of taxes to pay. Like we discussed with the Venmo stuff. You oh, know, yeah. You the, think the government's going to be able to see it. They're going to see it. If you're actually pay. paying your taxes as a independent, right? Like if you're actually yeah. paying your taxes and you're doing business on the up and up, there's still not that much profit in it. <laughs> like I just there's don't. still not that much profit in it. <laughs> right? Especially if you, you know? start to work it as like do dollar per hour, right? Like if you yeah. start to go, okay, I'm working, I'm taking phone calls. First thing in the morning, I'm taking, I'm taking phone calls till 11 o'clock at night. I'm in there on the weekends doing um, inventory and, and unboxing and whatnot. And like, if you really are honest with yourself and you add all those hours up and then, and then try to figure out what you're actually making per hour, you'd be surprised. Oh yeah. There's so much cost, but the good news is I have a client and she's in the chair. All right, sir. That's, that's how we get out of this one, one that's client at a time. This. <laughs> you know, I hope that, um, you know, I hope that we, and I trust that we will navigate well. Right. You know, I, if there's, even though I don't know what the future holds for someone like yourself, who I've watched you grow your business and do phenomenally well. And, you know, obviously a very inspirational person for, for the community to look at and to follow and to see. I know that, um, because we managed to get ourselves to where we got ourselves, we'll still be managed to be okay. Yeah. We have to trust in our own ability to be able to navigate as best as possible. And I always say, and I say it to myself, there really isn't any such thing as failure. It's just called quitting. Right. So if you're going to quit, you can quit. That's fine. 
And, you know, maybe it's time to get off the horse. Maybe you say to yourself, you know, maybe it's time to get off the horse. I'm still too young. I don't want to retire. I have a lot of purpose. I want to have purpose in my life every day. And I want to enjoy navigating through this. And I'm not trying to rush this terrible time away. But what I am doing is I'm looking at this, well, I call it a terrible time because it is so stressful uh, and difficult. And I can't see kind of the future as clearly as maybe I have in the past. But I entrust that I'll be able to navigate, hopefully, to the right new destination. I look forward to hopefully being able to accomplish that. So it's a challenge, but without a challenge... What else have you got to do? So it's exactly. been a real pleasure hanging out with you, it's, Mike. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor, and we look forward to seeing what you do next. That was just about as real as it gets for me, uh, having lived through most of those experiences myself. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I had that opportunity and it was an absolute honor, as always, to talk to him. Thanks for caring about the industry. Uh, it matters so much more now than it ever has before Um, please review this podcast if you are so inclined and check out our videos on youtube at alistair's workroom if you like this information please take it make it your own distill it skill up and for god's sakes please pass this information on to the next generation